Yes, welcome in everyone. Your ears do not deceive you. I am working overtime this week and this is the second podcast from the full 10 yards. And as I'm on overtime, it only felt right that I introduced the host of NFL Overtime on Sky Sports. Delighted to be joined by Hannah Wilkes. Hannah, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. That was a very smooth link there as well. You should have my job. We have had this arranged, to be fair, for a week. I've been practising that for a week, so (laughs) thankfully that's come across okay. The rehearsal uh, paid off. It was very good. Thank you very much indeed. Let's get straight into it then, Hannah, Um, and let's talk about overtime. Obviously, new addition to the Sky Sports NFL channel this year. Well, the channel itself is obviously a new addition to the Sky Sports lineup, but obviously overtime, a brand new show. Obviously, you're a big fan of the NFL. How did you actually feel when you were asked to actually front that show? (laughs) That's a really good question, Sean. I was pretty giddy, I won't lie. Um, it It was quite a surreal phone call. Um, obviously, with how everything's been this year, um, we've all been very sort of out of the loop on the goings on. So I think that phone call was was actually when I discovered that there was going to be a whole channel um, and that we're going to be going to do this new show and they wanted me to host it. Obviously, I was absolutely thrilled. Um, but it was a very surreal day because it was one of those, remember in the summer when it was really hot and it was like 35 degrees and we were all trying not to just melt. So it was a day like that. I was working from home struggling to do something remotely so I was really frazzled had a conversation like yeah yeah great afterwards I was like hold on what just actually happened so it took a little while to um to sink in to be honest but yeah I was absolutely thrilled and over the moon um yeah and then just really excited to get going because that was I think mid-August so there was a little while till the season started so this was this like wait of a few weeks of just like wanting to get going and like we all are in August anyway, desperate for football to come back. But yeah, I was I was thrilled and I still am. Yeah, you can certainly tell you're thrilled with your pinned tweet still on your Twitter timeline of your initial trailer for overtime. Um, you mentioned there that you got the call in August and, and you've obviously alluded to the fact what a challenging year it's obviously been for everybody. Just talk us through how many challenges and, and the sort of difficulties that's actually created for you in terms of creating a brand new show. You obviously not got anything to, to sort of go back and look at what worked well in a previous season or anything like that. It's obviously getting something new off the ground. How have you actually found that in, in terms of the challenges that you've come across? I mean, I suppose the main challenge with it is is having to work remotely. Um, so, you know, in in the before time, as it were, if you had a new show, there'd be lots of constant conversations about it all in the office, there'd be meetings, and you'd likely have a day or two, if not more, of rehearsals in the studio um, to try and, you know, if you want to do things a bit differently, work out what you want the cameras to be, and you get to get to know your co-presenter and you get to build that rapport so that was the most challenging thing about it is that it was just a few zoom calls and then it was the first tuesday and we were recording and with very little rehearsal time or time to sort of you know beyond those zoom call meetings which is i'm sure you know you can work really collaboratively with people but through a screen it's just much harder um so so that was challenging i think that was the thing that everyone was probably most nervous about with it is that we hadn't all been together until that very first Tuesday where we recorded the first one. Um, and we were thrilled with how it went, all things considered. And I think it's only got better from there as we've all got into the swing of it. And we were, the whole idea for the show from the very beginning was to have a different tone and, and 
you know, speak slightly to a different audience, a slightly more casual NFL audience, um, and attract new fans that way, and do something you know a bit younger, a bit more light-hearted, and bringing that sort of social media side of it, so the whole energy is a bit different, and um, which I think we've managed to do, and I think we we are doing, and yeah, as I say, the more we do, the more and more we come up with new ideas, and everyone gets really gets into it, and it's had such a positive response as well um, from the NFL community over here in the UK. Like everyone's had so many lovely tweets, and I have to say, when you're launching something new, you're almost bracing for the for the impact of the negativity because most people tend to go on social media to complain but we've had nothing but positive um comments from people getting in touch which has been really really lovely so yeah it's been it's been so much fun yeah good no absolutely and it has been a great watching like you say that you can tell week to week that that chemistry is developing Let, let's talk about your, your co-presenter there in terms of josh did you ever work with Josh previously, he's obviously famous for other reasons these days, but obviously um, he's had a, a sort of long career in sports broadcasting as well um, from an internet perspective. Had, you, had your paths crossed previously? So I think our paths had maybe crossed briefly at a couple of events where we were both sort of filming other bits, um, but never kind of properly, never for like a full conversation to like know each other. So that was the real challenge, I think, with a show like this, when you, you need there to be a good rapport between the two of us straight away really that was the difficulty with doing it all remotely but no the first time we properly met I think just with how timings work as well with them um, with putting a tv show together I think I was already sat on the sofa <laughs> ready to do the show um Josh walked in we had it literally at hello so you can't shake hands or do anything these days it's such a weird way to like greet people for the first time when you're like we, um I think we elbow tapped maybe sleeves on obviously just making that crystal clear um and yeah and that was basically the first time we met was was when we recorded the first show um so yeah that's that's one of the, the you know, good things as we go on we get to know each other a bit better as, as we go on and spend more time together um but yeah no he's, he's he's a great guy he loves the sport um so yeah it's great to great to get to work with him on this Oh, excellent. And obviously you mentioned there that, um, you know, you're on the sofa and obviously one of the guys that's joining you on the sofa regularly at the minute is Rob Bryan, um, who we've had over sort of doing some of the coverage over the last couple of years. But obviously we're all used to the the NFL regulars on Sky in terms of Neil, Jeff uh, and all the rest of them, a great bunch of guys to work with. It must obviously give you great pleasure to be able to work with them. But come on, tell, tell us honestly, what are they really like off the camera? You want the inside scoop? Yeah, what, they're, what they're like behind the scenes? Absolutely. Exactly like they are on they are on camera. They are the nicest bunch of guys. Everyone is super happy because they're getting to literally talk, you know they're just getting to talk about football for, for their job. Um, they are a brilliant bunch of guys. Um, Neil is so passionate about the sport, and I think if you look at how it's grown whilst he's been involved in the sports, now having his own channel in the UK, um, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, so yeah, he's he's brilliant. He knows everything. He's always sort of willing to help. Um, Sean, Rob, I mean, they just love to talk football. <laughs> they really do. And Jeff as well. Um, it's, everything with Jeff is through a screen at the moment, but he's one of those guys. He's exactly like he seems on camera, off camera. He's friendly to everyone, got time for everyone. Um, they're, they're a great bunch of guys. And it's such a, a privilege and a pleasure for me to be able to just talk to these guys about football. Um, and especially over the last couple of years, up until this point, working with them more regularly just learning from them and, and understanding the game through them and getting, getting to the level that they see, which unless you've really played it or coached it, it's very hard. 
um, and yeah, and they're very willing to sort of share their insights. So yeah, they're, they're a great bunch to work with. I'm very lucky. Uh, it'd be great to, to get Jeff back over maybe a bit earlier this year as well. Obviously, normally over for the sort of December and January run, but obviously with no uh, CFL, we may see him a bit earlier looking at his Twitter timeline. Let, let's take a step back then, Anna. Obviously, we, we've sort of talked about overtime there in terms of obviously what you're currently doing. And to a number of viewers, you may well be somebody new that's on the screens. You've obviously been in the NFL studios previously and been in and around some of the games but obviously you know this hasn't just happened overnight you know you've you've done 10 years now at, at Sky Sports so just just talk us through your sort of career journey and how you got into into Sky Sports and broadcasting. Yeah it's a bit mad actually so yeah it was 10 years ago I, I got two weeks work experience at Sky and um, primarily with the rugby union department who are a group of fantastic individuals as you said. Um, so yeah the two weeks work experience mostly with rugby but then working a few other sports as well and then I managed to get um, some shifts as a runner so production junior as they're now called so that's a lot of ferrying people around photocopying team making you know you name it I'll get it kind of thing um so continued doing that throughout my last year of uni and then basically started working full full time as a runner when I finished uni so I kind of did that for a year almost two years second year I was doing some more sort of junior assistant producing type jobs on a real mix of sports like you name the sport I've probably done something on it at some point um and then in 2013 yeah it all feels like yesterday but it's quite a long time ago now back in 2013 uh Sky set up a kids sports show um called Game Changers so I was part of the production team that created that and put that to air and then by the third series I was doing some reporting on that and then I presented the fourth, fifth, and sixth series of Game Changers, which took us up sort of this time last year or end of last year. So I was yeah, presenting Game Changers. I was reporting on a variety of Sky stuff. So um, netball, lots of question sports, some of like one-off events we do as well, as well as starting to do the sort of um, the international games, the NFL and Thanksgiving and playoff studios. Um, so yeah, so if you just watch NFL, I might have only popped up sporadically the last couple of years until now but trust me I've been there grinding away for a lot longer yeah and, and absolutely like you say grinding away and, and that, those first couple of years I suppose you look back there and it looks like big challenges and, and and sort of running doing all the jobs that other people essentially don't want to do themselves but um... you know what? this is a weird thing I I remember when I I'd been a runner for about two years and I got this job on Game Changers and obviously thrilled to sort of you know be stepping up and moving forward and doing something new but I remember quite early on I was like huh kind of I loved being a runner because you get to meet and talk to everyone I mean it's through being a runner that I got into the NFL um I was working on one of the Wembley games so it must have been 2011 I think it was the Bears Bucks at Wembley and I got loaned out to Fox to be their runner for the day um, and got a lesson in American football from Daryl Johnston. So, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of, that was my entryway. And I was hooked watching these guys just run at each other. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I sometimes also as well, it's one of those great jobs that it's changed a bit now. So the, the guys that do that similar role now at Sky probably feel a bit differently. But at the time, it was one of those jobs where you didn't take anything home with you. You worked all hours under the sun. You never had a social life. I think I started work at every hour of the every hour of the day literally but it was fun so yeah, I enjoyed it but yeah if you told runner Hannah what should we do now she'd probably gone oh it takes longer than I thought but okay 
Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, all joking aside, I mean, what a you know what a rise that you've had, and and like you say, it certainly sort of sped up over the last couple of years. But you know, what what would you give as any advice to anybody wanting to make a bit of a breakthrough in sports media? Me and the guys here, obviously, sort of we cover NFL, we do it because we enjoy the game and we want to put stuff back into the game in the UK. Um, you know, and I'm I'm certainly not looking to to take your job at Sky Sports, but I'm sure that there will be plenty of people listening to this that would fancy a crack at it. So, what advice would you give to anybody that wants to make a breakthrough into sports media? Oh, that's um, that's a hard one. There's a lot. I mean, firstly, you've got to be passionate about it because working in sport, it's often weekends and evenings by its very nature because that's when people watch it so if you're not passionate about it it's going to be even harder because it eats up chunks of your life and your social life but at the same time you feel very lucky because a lot of what I do doesn't often feel like work because it's what I enjoy and it's something I'm passionate about um so you've got to be passionate about it I think you've got to be proactive and there are so many ways now it's changed so much since I've been in the industry there's so many ways you can create content now I mean I think when I like first started I had like the newest iPhone at the time, which was kind of rubbish, is now, but once you're walking around in your pocket, you can be filming incredible content and editing it so easily yourself that you can, if you're looking for a job, you, you can create a portfolio of work very easily. Um, so I think you have to be proactive and you have to put yourself out there. Um, and yeah, I think that's, you, you know, you've got to be a little bit tenacious. It's not an easy industry. There are a lot of people that want to work and into beyond the NFL just more widely as well um, but I think if you have the right attitude um, it's one of those industries where people are really friendly and encouraging um, so yeah you've got to have a positive attitude you've got to keep your head up because at times it can feel really difficult um, yeah, if you've got the passion for it I think you know that takes you most of the way in this in this business it really does I think everyone I work with both on the NFL and Sky Sports more widely Everyone is passionate about what they do. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, sound sound advice. Um, you talked about some of your Sky Sports colleagues there, and you said it, at times it's obviously a difficult job for different reasons. And one of the unfortunate consequences of the world that we live in today, unfortunately, is there's obviously going to be some negativity that comes. And you know, I've seen a tweet recently that you shared um, a video put together by some of your colleagues at Sky Sports about some of the. The abuse that that they receive online um it's obviously a horrible part of, of what has almost become the norm in society um how do you deal with that personally hannah um i know you weren't actually in the video but obviously you, you sort of tweeted it to show your support for your colleagues so i'm sure you get your fair share of it you're obviously covering a sport that's very male dominated although there's more and more women involved in the game now and you know particularly in the states the likes of Kay adams and and the likes who we get to see every day on Good Morning Football now, um, you know, we've seen more and more women in the in the sport. But how do you deal with that sort of negativity that, that, that unfortunately does seem to come as part of the territory now? I mean, I think I've said this before. I am quite fortunate in that, um, yes, I, you, know, you get comments on social media, but for the most part for me, it's mostly positive and they are very rare when I get those negative comments. So I'm very fortunate in with the video that you're you're speaking of compared to some of my colleagues, I, honestly, I don't know how they cope with it and continue to do their jobs because even though you know it's someone with no life and the most the best thing they can do with their time is to sit and abuse someone they don't know through a screen, um, saying things they never say to anyone in real life. Even though you know all that, it's very hard to read it and still not take it personally. 
Um, so I, you know, some of the stuff that other people get, it, it's mind boggling. And I'm very fortunate that thankfully I've not experienced anything that extreme. Um, I kind of get it once or twice a year, mostly around, mostly around the playoffs um, when I pop up in the studio. And quite often it's not actually directed at me. It's not like people are tagging me. Um, but my job when I'm in the playoff studio is to be looking at social media and all the comments coming through Sky Sports NFL and creating conversation around that. So you see everything. Um, and it's not it's not restricted just for women either. They abuse everyone. And seeing it about your colleagues as well is just as infuriating. Um, but it is a strange thing that for every, you know, you can get seven positive comments, but that eighth one being negative, that's the one that will stick in your head and can look confidence a bit. You have to develop a really thick skin, I think. And it, it sort of disgusts me that we've begun to almost accept it as normal. And I'm really proud that actually Sky Sports are taking a, a much wider stand on the issue um, and saying, you know, hate won't stop us no matter who we are, what we do, whatever content we're putting out, it's unacceptable and we will take steps to, to prevent it and to report it. Um, so yeah, I, like I say, it, it happens to everyone. Um, it's not reserved just for women, but there, I think there are some particularly malicious comments get thrown at women um, working in sport. And yeah, you wouldn't wish it on anyone. So just be kind to each other. But yeah, like I say, I don't get as much as some people, um, but frankly, the fact that I get any at all is also unacceptable. So you just have to, just have to remember how sad those people have got to be, but that's a lot easier said than done. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I, I absolutely understand what you're saying. I, I see a lot of people, you know, Neil gets a, an awful amount of criticism. And I think you were absolutely right to say what you said earlier, you know, the growth of the game in this country, he has to take a lot of credit for that. So anybody mm. that's that's criticising a guy that's got that much passion for the game, you might not like the way he presents. It doesn't mean he's a bad man at all. You know, that's that's ultimately his job. He's doing it in, in a style that suits him. Personally, I, I have absolutely no issue with the way that Neil presents whatsoever. I think um, as well people forget, I think there is that, there, it's not even as well the people that are on screen, when people criticise the coverage, criticise this, criticise that, there are a lot of people working really hard, um, incredibly hard to to bring the coverage on any sport to life, um, but yeah, I just I just don't get the, that mentality at all, I really don't, but no, I hopefully agree. we'll have a bit of a gear shift because it, you know, um, it's about time we were all a bit nice to each other. My favourite button on Twitter actually is the report button. If I see anyone abusing anyone, it can be something that I'm not even a part of, and I'm like, don't look, that's not that's not a nice thing to say about anyone. Support it. I encourage others to do the same. Yeah, more power to you. Absolutely. Yeah, my um, my regular podcast colleague uh, Lawrence has, has been watching the NFL for thirty plus years, and he he talks to me often about the fact that we used to get a Sunday night highlight show with games from the previous week. So anybody criticising it's beyond me. Um, you know, <laughs> you always announce the games on overtime on a Tuesday, and that's almost like the cue for a flood of abuse. Why have you picked this game? I can't believe you've done that. And and you get that from both angles. I'm sitting here in my Browns jersey as a Browns fan, three weeks in a row on Sky, which is a you know the first time I can remember that. And that's obviously because the Browns are decent at the minute. And then you've you've got fans mind that they can't watch it on Game Pass. So you, you can't win whatever you do. But, you, you really know. can't. You really can't win. There's always going to be someone that doesn't doesn't like that decision. Um, and also, sometimes we're just going to get a bit unlucky. We'll pick a game that looks great on paper and it'll turn out to be a bit of a dud and the other one looks fantastic. Um, it's it's a very inaccurate science picking those games. You just have to go with the with the best information you have available and best gut. But yeah, someone's always going to be unhappy. So can't yeah. please everyone all the time. But we try to. We really do. 
You do. You do indeed. Let's let's talk about the game then, Anna. We've talked enough about the TV sort of things. Let's get some of your thoughts on the game itself. And obviously there's no um, international series this year. You've obviously talked about the fact that you've been covering the games in different formats going all the way back to 2011. What's probably been your favourite international game that we've had? And why would you, why would you say that was your favourite? Oh my goodness, that's a really tough one. Really tough. Um, there have been so many. Um, and I've been so lucky to work on so many of them. And, and they all stick in my head for different reasons as well. So that Bucks Bears game at Wembley back in 2011, I think was a total um, blowout by the Bears from memory, but I couldn't even be wrong on that. There was definitely a great play in it at some point, um, but it's all a blur because it was just sensory overload. Um, and then the first time I got to cover a game pitch side as well at Wembley, I always forget it was definitely the Seahawks. How bad is that? I almost can't remember. <laughs> um, but I think, I think for me, one that stands out was probably last year actually, and it was the Raiders Bears game at Tottenham, um, because I've never been so close to the action. That um, that stadium was something else. There was so much excitement in the air. Um, it was a close game as well. Like it ended up being much closer than I think we all thought it was going to be. Um, so yeah, I think that for me really stacks. Kyle Allen was was stuck. no, that's that's wrong. That's the Panthers. There were a lot of backup quarterbacks this time last year, weren't there? And there's a lot of stuff going on. But yeah, I think for me that it was probably that Raiders Bears game at Tottenham. It was in the thick of it. It's great when you're all doing sideline at Tottenham. You are literally on the sideline. Whereas at Wembley, you're quite far back still, so you end up watching it all on a monitor because you can't you can't really see anything. Whereas at Tottenham, you can really see everything, and it was so exciting. Um, yeah, and it was a great game. So, yeah, I think I'll go with that one. Yeah. Have you had the chance to actually get out to the States? And what you said, obviously, that it was it was quite late that you came to the NFL. Um, have you, have you over the last decade, had a chance to get across to the States and watch a game? And if not, is that on your bucket list? It's still on my bucket list, but I have been to the States to watch a game. I still want to go um, – but watch a regular season game. But I was really, really fortunate in that I was at Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta um, for the 2018 season. Um, so Patriots Rams, I mean, the lowest scoring Super Bowl in history. Lucky me. <laughs> um, but I'm a Rams fan. So um, it could have been a really painful experience. But overall, I still see it as a really positive one because not many football fans get to see their team in a Super Bowl in their lifetime. Um, and I do believe there was a Super Bowl record punt at some point as well in that game. So it wasn't all bad. Um, and I mean, seeing the Patriots do their do their thing and make history. I mean, it's it's always exciting to witness it and to say that you know I saw Tom Brady playing in the flesh, getting that sixth ring um, with Gronkowski and Edelman. It was it was a it was one of those games for a purist. It was fascinating to watch because the defence on both sides was superb. Um, obviously, we'd like to see more scoring but um, and, you know, some more big plays and more touchdowns. But, no, I was really lucky to be there. And it's such an incredible week to have been a part of. It's just, it's just like nothing else on earth. No, I've been to some big sporting events. I've been part of some, some big events in this country and a few other things around the world. But... In terms of something taking over a town and everything revolving around this one game on Sunday, it was yeah, it was phenomenal. So I was very lucky to be there. Um, hopefully, we'll get to go tomorrow in future. 
but I definitely it's very hard to kind of get out of the regular season game when you're working on the season but that's definitely sort of on the bucket list if not hopefully when pre-season returns maybe get out to a few pre-season games maybe Sky can loan you out to Fox again for a week <laughs> I'll happily go be a runner again to be honest if, that, <laughs> if that's what they need <laughs> uh, you just let it slip out there that you're obviously a fan of the Rams so anybody that didn't know there you go there's Hannah's team what uh, what made you choose the Rams um, do you know what? I had someone describe, I think it might have been Carl Brandt on Good Morning Football this week, describing the Rams as a very sort of boring, safe team. And apologies if that wasn't Carl that said that, I've just put that in his mouth. And what made me be a Rams fan? So I started watching the game really casually, like I mentioned, when I worked it in 2011. And then around sort of 2014, 2015, started to get more and more into it. And the whole way through, I was like, oh, I need a team. But that's the thing, isn't it? Not growing up with the sport it's hard to know who your team is. And I tried on a few sides. I thought maybe I was going to be a Patriots fan. Um, but I couldn't, I decided I couldn't be that much of a, of a glory supporter. Like, you, have, you have to have morals. Um, then I'm a Northampton Saints rugby fan. I thought that maybe like Green Bay um, or the Saints. Neither of those seem to like really fit. Um, and then, yeah, all or nothing, the all or nothing series of the Rams kind of came out. And it's when they were moving from St. Louis, so they needed more fans. Um, and I needed a team. And I think, I was talking to someone else about this. In fact, just me and Josh were talking about this um, while we were recording on Tuesday. But those kind of behind the scenes documentaries, when you've not grown up with the sport, are a real way to feel connected to a team, like actually getting to know the personalities and the people involved. Um, so that was kind of it for me. And I think as well, they then came to London that season. So I got to see them play and then it felt, okay, I've, I've watched them. I've watched the series, I've watched them. I feel like, I feel there's a valid connection there. And also I do love the colours because it reminds me of my primary school uniform of blue and yellow. Yeah, they do, they do have, probably along with the Chargers, the best uniforms in the league, it's got to be said. Um, I have to say, I think the Chargers does win that one outright. It's just so, I just, I'm obsessed with their uniforms. <laughs> the Chargers, it's just, just happiness in a football yeah. uniform, I think. Certainly is that powder blue is very special. Um, Rams are obviously off to a good start this season. Um, I think a few people had started to to write them off a little bit in the the off season. Obviously, it's a strong division. Um, San Francisco, we know, have obviously had their injury problems. Arizona, lots of potential, but not necessarily putting it all together. Certainly on the defensive side of the ball, and the Rams are, are sitting there, finding themselves four and one. Um, obviously, a really good start to the season. I suppose the the tempering of expectations there is they've beaten everybody in the NFC East, which we know yeah. isn't exactly the stellar division in the NFL so yeah. far this year. But <laughs> how, how do you feel the seat? Well, how do you feel it's going? And, and obviously, more importantly, I suppose, how far do you think the Rams can actually go this year? Like you said, it's quite hard to judge. I felt over the summer, sort of when you're, when you're watching and reading all the preview stuff, I personally felt that the rounds were being really overlooked. But obviously, then I'm also aware of my own sort of inherent bias there. But I did think rounds are being consistently overlooked or sort of ranked last in the NFC West, which is an impossibly hard division. I have to say, when the, when the Cardinals started really well this season, I was like, this is, we can't have all four teams playing really well. Um, obviously, the 49ers have suffered with injury and the Cardinals have had a couple of bad weeks um, so I think this week will be telling because it's the, the Rams at 49ers this, this coming Sunday um, generally I think you're right it's so hard to really get a steer on exactly where the Rams are because of the opponents um, that said I think their Bills game the game against the Bills they lost and these happen on both sides of the ball so I don't want to be accused of being biased but it was one questionable pass interference call 
towards the end of the game that gave the bill you know, the victory there. And yes, I know it happened the other way around earlier in the game, but and these things balance out. But that that was the fine margin of that game. Um, so we could have been five and zero oh, if that could have been different. But I think the rest of the schedule, I think. 49ers this week, and then then it gets tough because then it starts being Seahawks twice, Cardinals, I think play the Bucks, um, Patriots. It just gets more difficult. I think I think with the extended uh, playoffs, more teams in the playoffs this year. I'm fairly confident we'll be one of those teams in the playoffs come January. Um, but I I I don't dare to look much further than that. If I'm honest. Um, I, it's so hard to judge, and I think generally as well, you look at a lot of the teams that are playing really well. I mean, even the Seahawks at the moment, 5-0, and Russell Wilson absolutely sublime, but defence is still basically the worst the league's ever had. So I think without the preseason and with the way games are getting moved and bye weeks getting moved, it's, it's, it's an impossible season to predict. Some of the results we've had across the board, I mean, we know the Steelers are great and we know the Packers are great and the Seahawks are great, but their de- defence needs working out and the titans are unbeaten but like how are the titans unbeaten like it, there's just so many questions around the season so i think the rams are going to have i think the rams will make it to the playoffs this season i'm very nervous to suggest they'll get all the way to the spot um but i think i think it's a good i think jared goff's already having a bit of a, a bounce back here and some of the plays he's been making i think prove that he has got it because he gets a lot of flack um and gets lumped in groups of quarterbacks that i think you know, I'm, I'm not claiming he's elite level quarterback, but I think he sometimes gets um, judged a bit harshly on on the standard that he's at. Yeah, I think people are very quick to forget how potent that Rams offense was just two seasons ago. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, a little bit of a step back last year, obviously, but uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of said in the offseason, I thought they would do better than what many people predicted as well. Um, you've talked on a couple of other teams there, Hannah, just uh, get your thoughts on the league in general, probably just get from you maybe your biggest surprise and biggest disappointment so far through the first five weeks. Oh, goodness me, that's a really tough one. Biggest surprise. My biggest surprise is probably the Titans being unbeaten. Um, I mean, they played so well, especially the back end of last season, and I was really sceptical that they would sort of carry that momentum on. Um, I think that's one of my biggest surprises. Um, Biggest disappointment. It's hard to say because a lot of the teams that were really hyped up have suffered really badly with injuries, so... I think the Broncos were pretty exciting to people going into the season and then, you know, they lose due luck and it's over before it's got going. Um, so that was a disappointment. Um, it's hard to judge. I think Brady's doing well in Tampa, so you can't say that was a disappointment. Um, I think Cam Newton really impressed with the Patriots and made them so exciting to watch. Um, I think it's probably that both New York teams are... Oh, and five, and at some point, that huge sports market out in New York needs needs better football. It deserves better football. It deserves better play. Um, yeah, and I think I think that's kind of disappointment. It just doesn't seem to be any improvement from one year to the next for the Jets or the Giants in a, a place where they've got two good young quarterbacks, and just it continues to disappoint. And I have to say, I think on balance, I've got more surprises in a good way this season than I have disappointments I mean I feel I'd be remiss as well I'd say that obviously the biggest disappointment without doubt has got to be the, um, the injury to Dak Prescott because he was producing at levels that were out of this world 
um, and was really on track to, to break some serious records this season. So I think we were all gutted to see him being um, wheeled off the field on, on Sunday. I think that's probably, that's probably the biggest individual disappointment. But New York, come on, up your game. The people deserve more. Yeah, it certainly can't get much worse in New York, and, and certainly agree with you on the on the on the Dak side of things. We talked about that on Monday. Um, he's going to obviously be a big loss for the league. Um, obviously, one of the things that the league is battling with, Hannah, is is obviously COVID nineteen. We're obviously battling with it, you know, across the world. And, and we spoke before we came on about you know how we're, we're trying to battle it in in this country. And we won't get onto that political side of things. But just in terms of the way the league is dealing with it, we've obviously seen a number of games moved around in the schedule. Um, just your thoughts in general on sort of how the league's doing. Um, I think we're both in agreement that come hell or high water this season is going to be finished in one way, shape or form. Uh, but, but how do you think the league are actually handling it uh, so far? I think the league are handling it as, as best they can. I think after they've obviously got very strict protocols and strict testing regimens in place. And then after the outbreak with the Titans, they have tightened the restrictions and the rules further. So now there's game day testing, there's more limits on even down to that number of buses that the players get on to get to an airport to travel to games. Um, they've sort of doubled down as well on the coaches on the sidelines, can't wear visors unless they play because it must be a mask. So I think I think they're adapting. And um, Roger Goodell said from the start, we will this will be fluid, we'll have to adapt as we go. So I think they're doing the absolute best they can in reacting to a situation that, you know, I really think we all thought would, would be had disappeared or started to go away much more than it has done um, on every front. So I think they're dealing with it as well as they can against you know, a situation which is completely unprecedented. There is still limited information about how to deal with the virus most effectively. And I think there's definitely a willingness there, isn't there, to evolve as things change. There's the stories coming out there looking at potential locations for, for bubbles, for the playoffs, because when you get to that, that postseason, it's more realistic in the NBA and um, the NWSL and the NWA were so effective in those bubbles. When you've got fewer people involved, I think that's the route they can feasibly go down. Um, so yeah, I think they're doing their absolute best. I think I said from day one, we may not necessarily get every team playing 16 games of regular season football, um, but we will get some sort of playoff and we will get some sort, we will get a Super Bowl. I think no matter what, I think, and it's very easy to go, oh, because the NFL is worth so much money. And yes, it is. And there's a lot of there's a lot of money on the line for a lot of people. But also, people people need it. People need the escape. That's the um, as you know, things continue to get a little bit better and then a whole lot worse over here in the UK. And it's the one thing I know I'm really grateful for that the NFL keeps marching on. And I can just bury my head in it until, you know, at least until February. I hope. Yeah, no, absolutely, completely agree with you. Like you say, Sunday is the best day of the week. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed the NFL can carry on. Uh, I actually think he's doing a pretty good job as well. Um, I think, obviously, you know, there's been a bit of an outbreak with the Titans, but on the whole, there's been the odd isolated uh, incident amongst teams. But, you know, like I say, in a, in a pandemic, it was always likely to happen, and I think the league have responded quite well. Uh, so hopefully um, we can continue on towards the end of the season. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Anna, it's not the easiest of seasons to predict, but I'm not going to let you go without putting you on the spot and asking you who you think is going to be in the Super Bowl and why you think that is, and ultimately, who do you think is going to win it all? I hate these questions. I really, really do. So on the first Sunday of the season, before a, before a game had been played, I put on Twitter, and I'm willing to acknowledge this, I put on Twitter a bold Super Bowl prediction, and I said I could play it safe and say it's going to be Chiefs Saints in the Super Bowl. 
but I'm going to be bold in the hope that I can be smug come February. And I said Seahawks Ravens in the Super Bowl. I still feel relatively confident on that. I just need the Seahawks to sort out their defense drastically um, and Russ to keep cooking. Yeah, I still feel relatively con- confident of that, although I think maybe the Steelers are looking ever so strong in the AFC. And I think the Ravens are just a bit more quiet than they were last year, I think. And Lamar Jackson's definitely not quite at that level that he was at last year, but they're still winning games. So I think I think I have to stick with what I said, um, because I know, for example, that our overtime producer has already saved a screenshot of the tweet to either mock me or celebrate me come the end of the season. So I can't change my tune now. We're going to stick with the Seahawks Ravens um, in the hope that Russ gets regular season and Super Bowl MVP, perhaps. <laughs> um, um, I I can't predict the Super Bowl winner. I mean, out of those two at the moment, I'm, I'll go for Seahawks. Why Why not? What have I got to lose, eh? There you um, go. Except my, except my reputation. I will <laughs> clip that bit of audio and send it to your producer so he can put, he can put your tweet up as well as the audio <laughs> that you've picked. You've got the on Seahawks multiple fronts on. now. Oh, great. There you go. You have nailed your colours to the mast well and truly. I'll always happily be wrong as long as we're entertained in the meantime. Absolutely. If the Ravens get to the Super Bowl, I'll be supporting whoever is in the NFC uh, side of the Super Bowl, obviously, as a Browns fan. So we'll see uh, yeah. what happens come February. Anna, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I wish you every success with the overtime show over the course of the coming weeks. I certainly look forward to it on a Tuesday. It's a good TV, like a bit of great British Bake Off and then NFL overtime. It's a good bit of scheduling that. Was that deliberate? Do you know what? The Bake Off? In my house, actually, it causes a bit of a problem. <laughs> But over time, generally win. <laughs> I should think so too, if it's your household. Uh, we will be back, of course, with you for your regular podcast on Monday to review all the week six action once it has gone down. Uh, obviously, game previews, et cetera, et cetera, coming out over the site over the course of the next couple of days. My thanks once again to Hannah. I've finished my overtime for the week and I am going to clock off. And as usual, we'll end all of our full 10 yards podcasts with those immortal words of Kevin Cable and say, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.